1: this is full comment podcast my name is rex murphy we all have a cross to beer and i will be interviewing very special guests especially at this time of year and especially at the end of this particular year mr pierre Polyev, the leader of the opposition and should you wish a longer version and i'm sure you will of this of this podcast it will be available on nationalpost.com starting. December 19th. Pierre Paulyver is the guest, year-end interview. Mr. Paulyver, you've had uh, in this particular year uh, the greatest, to some people, surprising acceleration, both in your popular standing and in the sway of your politics, and I'd like to say so, uh, your performance in the House. What is it that came together? that convinced enough people uh, that you were more than a viable candidate for the next prime ministership. And I know it's a hard question to answer because it feeds to ego, but what are the cold things that you say, this is why I am where I am now?
0: Very simple, two things came together. My words match with people's living experience. They hear what I say and they look around and say, yep. That's what I live. So when I say that after eight years of Trudeau, everything's broken, life costs more, work doesn't pay, housing costs have doubled, a crime, chaos, drugs, and disorder are common in our streets, people look around themselves and say, it's self-evidently true. And when I say that I have common sense solutions for those problems, ax the tax, cap the spending to fix the budget and end the inflationary deficits, When I say we're gonna cut income tax so that hard work pays again, when I say that we need to clear away the bureaucracy to build homes, when I say we're gonna have jail and not bail for repeat criminals, people say that's self-evidently common sense. So uh, those are the things that came together to uh, give me uh, the rising support we witnessed.
1: I thought, this is my thought, not yours, and I'm not ascribing it to you either, But, looking over the whole eight years of the current administration, if there was a fetal uh, fault, if there was something at the very beginning of this tenure, that more than any other thing, I'm thinking in terms of policy, distracted or removed the Trudeau government from an appreciation of the whole nation, it was his obsession with what, in my judgment, is this futile idea that Canada changes the climate of the world. In other words, Climate policies had become something of a sacred right in the Liberal government and that took whatever, well, what they're pleased to call their minds off of everything else and kept them out of contact with normal people.
0: For him, though, it's really about money and control. The carbon tax is not about the environment. It's about raising money for him to spend. Uh, and most of his so-called environmental policies are really about taking control of over people's economics lives, and both have been to great detriment. They've cost jobs. They've chewed up family budgets. They have contributed to inflation. And um, my common sense plan is to do exactly the opposite of what he's done. He, you know, my my view is that we need to green light more green projects. Let's speed up mining mining approvals. Let's accelerate nuclear energy production. Um, let's allow Quebec to build its hydroelectric dams. Um, with one approval rather than two and gumming it up in bureaucracy. In other words, let's have an abundance of energy rather than a poverty of energy that that we see now.
1: It was a very strange thing when as a, he wasn't then Prime Minister, he made this sociological observation. He said a couple of things. He said Canada has no core values and secondly, Canada is a post-national state. Now whether he even understood fully intellectually, it was con- that's a very strange st- statement. We have no core values, and the idea of a, of a Canadian identity outside of some fuzz uh, on the top of a head somewhere, how can a person who believes that we have no core values be a Prime Minister?
0: Well, I can't, I can't answer that question I, uh, I sure as heck didn't put him there. But I, I, I'll go back to what I just said. It serves his ideological objective of wanting the government to control everything. If he can say, well, the country has no identity worth defending, and therefore it is a blank slate at best, Mm -hmm. and if it's a blank slate, then he can write anything he wants onto that slate. Right? And that is effectively what he's done by saying Canada has no history, by deleting our key. Symbols from passports uh, by from the trying deep, to delete
1: deep, deep apologies for everything
0: trying to delete key parts of our historic our history and our our past uh, He by by doing that by saying Canada has either a wretched history or no history at all that he is left to Control the future and and that comes right out of uh, Orwell. He who controls yeah, the past controls the future
1: does, does it also indicate why? at least again from my view, so much of Canadian policy at the higher levels, and I'm speaking only of the government, comes out of international agendas. He's wedded to that lunatic COP performance, there's the COP, w, the, COP the COP conference, oh, okay. he's also wedded to the WEF, is Christopher <laughs> Feeling still on the board of <laughs> that thing, uh, yeah. and, his, <laughs> and by the way yeah, go back to Gilboa, is he still with some Chinese? Co- we can't have cabinet ministers functioning in the altitudes of international organizations while they are cabinet ministers.
0: I think we need to bring home control of our democracy. Here we have a prime minister who has, one, allowed Beijing-controlled police stations to proliferate in our country, two, allowed the Iranian-controlled terrorist group, the IRGC, uh, to legally operate and have 700 of of its agents freely roaming our country, terrorizing our people. And three, um, import uh, his ideological agenda from other countries and other places. You know, uh, that, that is uh, who he is and what he believes. And I think that's when I say bring it home. Let's bring home control of yeah. our democracy back to our people so that we can decide for ourselves what we want. And that's what we will get when I'm Prime Minister.
1: Do you think that he, he has a view that while the Prime Ministership surely uh, carries vast prestige in Canada, that it's not quite large enough uh, that he would prefer to operate more on a global scale than on what some other countries might regard as a second power country. And that's why he's so eager to form these international alliances, adopt international philosophies, and especially on the global warming thing, which is a juggernaut, to tie himself in with the major players internationally on that front.
0: Um, Like I said, I... I don't take issue with the idea of trying to reduce our emissions in order to combat uh, climate change, but I don't think that is his real objective. I think, again, he uses that as a pretext mm-hmm. to raise taxes, control the economy, na- effectively nationalize various parts of our economy, uh, and give himself more control at the expense of this, uh, the long-suffering Canadian consumer and Canadian worker. That's how I see it. And I really You know, at the end of the day, everything else is a pretext for him. It's how does he take the most money and the most power from the country for himself, and every other cause you will see him utter is a pretext to do that.
1: Is that also, I get out the oil and gas with this one. Is that also why the rough, I think in many cases, contemptuous, and possibly? not even in his jurisdiction, but his attitudes towards the West, farmers wanting some relief, the oil and gas industry is a 20-year story, uh, that, you know, this, these are not quite my class. I, I've often said that if oil and gas were in Ontario or Quebec, that service stations would be decorated like basilicas. Is it because it's Alberta and Saskatchewan? Is there an animosity there unexpressed that is getting expressed through politics?
0: I have no doubt that he has total disdain for Saskatchewan and Alberta. His father did. Surely his yeah. father gave him the finger. I remember. Um, and um, I think that, uh, but I think he has a lot of disdain for many people. He uh, he attacks parents who object to his gender ideology as hateful. He attacks small businesses as tax cheats. Um, he attacks grandmothers who heat their homes as polluters. Um, he attacks anyone who disagreed with his authoritarian agenda uh, over the last several years as a small fringe minority. And to his credit, he took that back uh, and apologized for it, but it, I think he meant it. And I think he looks at anyone that is not prepared to cede their money and their freedom to his power, it, it, he looks upon with contempt.
1: Well, that leads me up to that current child the, the truckers' protest, you were one of the few people who, uh, and I'm saying it not because I'm, I'm a conservative or I didn't like it but there were, you know, a great number of Canadians travelled a long, long distance to make a point. Uh, I don't think they burned anything down, I don't think they shot anybody, they, they didn't rip Ottawa's public buildings down or spray them with red paint and yet Tamara Lynch, just to use her as an example, is in some ludicrously extended trial of mischief and talk of inter. The slamming of that particular protest, to me, was a signal moment of the character of that government. Secondly, should this trial even be progressing, or was it a confection of politics that he used to start an election?
0: Speaking of a confection of politics, I don't think politicians should comment on ongoing trials. I'll give you that. But I will say that you can contrast all of what you just said with his treatment of demonstrably violent criminals who terrorize our communities. Uh, For example, under his bail reform, the same 40 offenders were arrested 6,000 times in the city of Vancouver. Okay, so these 40 guys, or I presume they were guys, uh, this is right out of a letter from the BC Union of Mayors. These 40 guys committed 6,000 crimes. They hit 6,000 people over the head with baseball bats or stabbings or robberies. They, you know, 40 of them, if you just locked them up, you could have 6,000 fewer crimes. But we have a prime minister who is, um, law, is allowing such rampant violence and disorder to, to run wild in, our, in many of our cities and towns. And yet, uh, he's worried that you might say the wrong thing on the internet, so he has to censor you. He's decriminalizing crack, but banning plastic straws. It's it's (laughs) insane. (laughs) It's incredible how radical this guy is. Um, And that's why I think my message of common sense is so resonant with people across the political spectrum, whether they're New Democrats, Liberals, or Conservatives. They just say, let's get back to the common sense ideas that worked and made our country such a wonderful place for so many years.
1: I want to get down to international level. I personally, am, I'm not surprised, I'm almost astonished. Uh, I think of it in terms of Canada. Let's say it was New Brunswick or Saskatchewan, uh, typical middle provinces, if you will. If there was a certain morning uh, that uh, some wild, crazy, pathological, sadistic force walked across a border in Canada, and on the same day slaughtered 1,200 ordinary people—I don't know—calling them civilians—they were at a music festival—and then perpetuated such, such barbarous acts as we have not seen since the Middle Ages: rape, uh, tort, terror—and I don't know how you—I know you have a young family. The idea that men in armed suits would pick up eight-month-year-olds and three-year-olds and an 87-year-old and haul them off to a tunnel. The reason for my giving you the elaborate speech of it is that in any other context, if this was in this country, on the same scale, we'd have maybe 5,000 people involved in it, we would be talking and acting and pursuing this relentlessly. But on the international side of things, the day of that butchery seems to have just dropped off the map. If we if we lose, and I don't want to wish it, if we were to lose 10 people in the violent act, you know, but the news media of Canada would be like, this was 1,200 shot, raped, beheaded, burned, and kidnapped. And the, the, the enormity of that offense seems to slip away. Uh, just like to hear your thoughts on it.
0: It is appalling. Hamas is a genocidal death cult uh, that is uh, determined to carry out a, a genocide on Israelis, and that would, of course, only be the starting point. Um, this is—I think—this is part of a broader agenda of the Iranian regime uh, to disrupt, what was an incredibly promising peace drive with the signing of the Abraham Accords between Israel. Uh, UAE, uh, Bahrain, uh, potentially and eventually Saudi Arabia. You imagine that if the, yeah. the country that is home to Mecca and Medina had signed a peace agreement with Israel, how we might have moved forward from that towards a lasting yeah. uh, peace that w- could have and probably would have included a Palestinian state. But Iran the Iranian regime wants mm-hmm. exactly the opposite of that. And so um, they, they financed and I believe orchestrated the attack. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, it is incumbent upon us to respect Israel's right to defend itself, okay. to, dis- to totally defeat and disarm Hamas, to recover the remaining living hostages, God willing. Uh, and uh, to have the full surrender of the, of the Hamas terrorists so that this never happens again because, of course, we did have a ceasefire. They broke a ceasefire, <laughs> broke to, a ceasefire to, do fire this to do this.
1: Thing. But, you so, know, there's my point. I, I know other people are saying it, yeah. people much more standing than I, but when I watched the international demonstrations yes. and they, they swelled at 10, to 10 to 100,000 <laughs> and you see the huge demonstrations pro-Hamas or, or anti-Israel, you can pick your own term, That's why I gave you that description. After the enormity, the numbers, uh, the the surprise, the sneak attack, the brutality, and kidnapping of very, very young children, how is it that the streets of North America and, and large parts of Europe seem to kind of wipe that away and, oh, we must support the Palestinian cause? I don't get it.
0: Well, I have no problem supporting a, pal- a, a cause that is favorable to the Palestinian people, but uh, right now what we're seeing is an agenda that is not pro-Palestinian. It is uh, pro-Hamas, really? and Hamas is anti. In my in my estimation, is actually an anti-Palestinian force because it has presided over the total misery yep. of Gazans over the last decade and a half since Israel left Gaza. And it is desert, determined to perpetuate that misery in order for uh, the fighting to go on forever until they get their uh, genocidal death wish. Now, my view is that uh, Israel has the right to defend itself, and uh, we uh, we can't allow Hamas. To, you know this this resolution at the UN, for example, that yeah, Justin Trudeau flip flopped to support. It actually went beyond a ceasefire. It effectively said that Israel should accept that Hamas can keep the hostages because there, that was, the, it was a, an unconditional ceasefire that did not include I, any I know mention didn't of mention freeing the hostages. So, <coughs> um, I I, I, there's no one that, that doesn't want an end to the fighting, uh, but no one but anyone in their right mind would have to see that before that could happen you'd have to have a disarmed surrendered Damn. Hamas with obviously the unconditional release of the there, of the uh, hostages
1: there there's the point that, as usual obscurity obscured the question if there are going to be mass demonstrations and there are huge demonstrations yeah. in every major city why is not the demonstration focused on this point a a villainous bunch of people killed an awful lot of innocent people and tortured and maimed many others. So here's the demand for peace. Uh, Hamas, cut it out, get your leaders out, surrender. Why is all the, the inter- ex- external pressure, oh Israel must be appropriate. Hamas can end this as Hamas begun it, by stopping, releasing hostages. That's, um, but that's not being called for in UN's or in these other resolutions. No. It's upside down.
0: No, uh, in fact, and that's the problem. If Israel were to stop today, then what would change? Well, Hamas would just recruit, uh, regroup, and strike again in a couple of months. Not to mention they continue to house the the hostages. So uh, you know, it is just incredible that we would see that that kind of uh, a, a resolution pass. Um, my my approach here in Canada, by the way, is we have to ban the IRGC terrorists who helped. Yeah. Co- the IRGC is the most sophisticated, well-financed, and state-integrated terrorist group in the world. I have no doubt they were involved in the mm-hmm. the Hamas attack of October 7th. And yet, and by the way, they've killed dozens of Canadians in the shootdown of the passenger flight PS752, And yet, according to Global News, in an investigative report, they actually have 700 of their agents operating with impunity terrorizing Persians and Jews in Canada, and it's perfectly legal because they have not been listed as a terrorist group. So my uh, common sense plan is to list the IRGC as a terrorist group, to ban them, and to expel their leadership from our country.
1: We saw in the States recently, that's just to give it a kind of a high tag, the three university presidents who had to stumble over whether it calls for, you know, rather desperate measures against the Jews, was or was not anti-Semitic, that's not my, my question. I'm finding that through talks with parents and people who have children in school, I know that schools at that level is not federal, but we're all Canadians. What's going on in the Canadian school system that so many school boards Uh, they, They present themselves as activists in what we, in some derision, refer to as the woke agenda. Sexuality politics, ethnic politics, identity politics, these things have captured the entire attention of whole school boards who are very radical in pushing even against the arguments to it. I talk, in a sense like you, I have talked to so many parents in schools in Ontario, these are rich schools by any standard, And the parents say, we don't know what to do. If we could take, and this is some Catholic schools, (coughs) city school, if we could take our children somewhere else, they actually fear sending their kids to school because they don't know the ideologies or the political preferences that are now substituting for classroom instruction. It's a scandal. What do you think of it?
0: I think the school should get back to to teaching reading, writing and arithmetic and we should let parents raise kids and transmit their values to children. Um, And when Trudeau stepped in and uh, stuck his nose in the uh, policy decisions of Premier Scott Moe and Premier Higgs uh, to restore parental rights, um, I told him he should butt out and let provinces run schools and parents raise kids. Uh, and that's what I believe. Parents should be able to decide, and parents should have the uh, obviously know what's going on in the
1: lives. But, of their it, kids. but isn't that again one of the little index markers of where we are? The idea that schools and some principals, and certainly some school boards, uh, all, not almost, with full arrogance, saying, you know, if young children come to us with one specific kind of problem, the sexual confusions yep. that obtain, uh, Look, it, uh, we uh, think we should be able to keep it to ourselves." <coughs> Where did no. they get the call to say that they're superior to the parents? Not from me. I know it's not from you, but they get support from a lot of quarters, yeah, and how is that stopped? This is not a made-up thing.
0: We have to respect parental rights, and we, I stand for parental rights. And you have to Because I trust up. parents to make the right decision for their kids, and uh, I know that parents uh, are... Uh, this is a key area where the Justin Trudeau and I just disagree. Uh, he believes that he should be able to impose his... Uh, Radical ideology on other people's kids by demanding Provinces implement his thinking and calling anyone who disagrees whether they're Muslim Jewish or Christian parents hateful and uh, so I think he should butt out and let parents raise kids
1: The the last question on that the other thing about the the agenda that is in the schools and I have too much information not to be completely solid on it is displacing the function of the school We are to train minds, teach people to write, read, and science, and also some of the social virtues. But identity politics pursued with an intensity. It overwhelms everything else and if you haven't gone to the right washroom or you said the wrong word to the wrong person, suddenly this is is it. I don't see a month dedicated to arithmetic, a month dedicated to history, but uh, 10,000 months for LGBT or some other foreign cause.
0: Well listen, at the end of the day uh, I can't promise to fix that No, I'm, not, I'm running to, for prime minister so I won't be able to fix uh, uh, the educational problems but uh, I think we need to get back to common sense on all of these no, things. And, you know uh, like if I on these broader social questions, you know if I were to create a po- political party from scratch, it would be called the mind your own damn business party. You know be people a good I don't people can make the decisions of who they marry, uh, who they date uh, how they live their lives, but also how they raise their kids. And I think if we had governments at all levels that, live and let live, that, that had a policy of live and let live, a true policy of live and let live, uh, which ironically is what liberals used to say mm-hmm. 25 years ago, then we would have so much more social peace because people could make their own decisions and come to their own conclusions and raise their own families with their own values. And I think by and parents are human, they will obviously make mistakes, but by large, at the end of the day, parents and people will make the right decisions for their own lives and their own families. And that's why my role as a prime minister is not going to be to impose my values on other people. It's to get out of their faces and run a, a competent government. They want a government that can deliver a passport, not a government that runs yeah. their lives.
1: We're coming towards the yeah. end. I've got two more. If, if you can, in a compressed form, and I know it's difficult because it's a wide territory, uh, what is the main thing that would differentiate your administration from the administration of Mr. Trudeau, should those things come to pass? What's the essence?
0: Well, the choice in the next election will be whether you want a costly coalition of the NDP and Justin Trudeau that take your money, punish your work, tax your food, double your housing costs, and unleash crime and chaos in your community, or a common-sense conservative government that frees you to earn a powerful paycheck and pension that buys affordable food, gas, and homes in safe
1: neighborhoods. That's the choice. And this is just a kind of a, a particular question, but it's very bothersome. The alliance between Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Singh it, it may be correct, but it isn't right. They've got it. the parliament of the one great function that it has, that if it wants a confidence vote, it can get it. They've taken that out of the parliamentary. Why is Mr. Singh doing this? Does he have any concern with his own NDB party now that he subdued them to the liberal brand? And is there any way you can combat this particular, they don't like the word, coalition, that's guaranteeing Trudeau's minority government <coughs> the powers of the majority?
0: Well, they are a coalition, a costly coalition, and frankly Jagmeet Singh has forgotten who he works for. Because I can tell you the union workers in the lumber mills of Vancouver Island or in the mines of Northern Ontario that elected NDP members of Parliament did not send their MP to go and work for Justin Trudeau, yet that is what has happened. And so good, hardworking union families that like to hunt and drive a truck and raise their families uh, are now represented by an MP that supports a government that's taking away hunting rifles, taxing people's energy, uh, and stripping away our resource, resource, the very resource jobs that give paychecks to those people. So Jagmeet Singh and his NDP members are literally working against the people they represent in this coalition. But the good news is they'll be able to fire them and elect a common sense local MP that will work for them.
1: I know it's very early Christmas. I also one of the very busiest times in politics. It is. You've squandered uh, 45 or 50 minutes with a useless very human kind being. You. And Not th- at all. Yes, Mayor, you're a, a very, useless human being. A
0: very good human and being. And I thank, thank you very you. much for doing it, sir. Thank you very much to you, Rex. And I wish you best for good your luck. health and happiness. And Merry Christmas to all.
1: Uh, well, I'll, I'll take that home.
0: Cheers to that. Let's bring it home. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you very much for watching this. This is a full comment podcast. Uh, my name, as I indicated at the beginning, hasn't changed. Still Rex Murphy, we were interviewing Pierre Polyvier. If you were interested in a longer version of this interview, it will be available on nationalpost.com anytime starting December 19th. Before I let you go entirely, Merry Christmas.